Welcome back to Be More Super, the podcast, where we explore the world of entertainment with celebrity interviews from your favorite movies and TV shows. So grab your popcorn and let's get to know these stars better and what really makes them super. We are brought to you by PropStore.com, where you can find your very own piece of entertainment memorabilia from screen use props to costumes. Now, here's your host, Brian Garner. But you know what? We watched a great movie. Uh, you watched it last night, and I'm so, so excited. So this guest this week, uh, she's not only a director, a producer, and a writer, also an actress. She could be seen uh, in, in, in so many shows from Supergirl, uh, Cabin Fever, uh, continue, continue that she wrote, directed, and starred in. Uh, it's the wonderful Nadine uh, Croker that we're going to welcome onto the show. So Nadine, welcome to the show, my love. Hi, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. And you're on this show to talk about Desperation Road, which I've got to say is is a work of art and it gets released on the 20th of November in the UK. It's already released in the US and it's got a phenomenal cast from Willa Fitzgerald, Mel Gibson, um, Garrett Head, Head, Headland, and good old Opie himself, uh, Ryan Hurst, um, which I just think is fantastic. I mean, the first question, I suppose, is that you're quite, you know, established in the acting world. So what actually encouraged you to go down the directing route as well? Um, to be honest, my first film, Continue, uh, it's based on my true life story of surviving a suicide attempt. And I wanted to tell that story for a really long time. And it was one of the only stories that I feel like could, because of the impact that I wanted to have and the conversation I wanted to open up about mental health and suicide prevention, it kind of kept me going through that fear of like writing your first screenplay and then being like, God, do I have the balls to direct this? And like, can I? And, <laughs> and all of the things. And, you know, so that's what, what led the way. And basically because I was so passionate about that film, um, I wore every hat I think that's possible to wear in order to create it. We invested our life savings. We raised every dime of capital. Um, you know, we produced it from the ground up. I wrote it and directed it and in every scene, which I still think I'm like out of my mind for doing, <laughs> you know, where you kind of like come out of it like PTSD and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And how did I do that? <laughs> I mean, I mean, continue. Um, is it available in the UK? Because I've seen the teaser trailer and I, I really so want to watch it. I really, really do. But I can't find it anywhere in the UK. So it hasn't come out anywhere yet. So it was supposed to come out in August of this year and then the strikes happened and I'm in every frame of it. So I, because of SAG, I wouldn't have been able to promote it. So we held the film back and, um, and so, yeah, it's a going to come out probably at the end of this year or very latest January. We're trying to figure out the dates now and I, I can't say who's releasing it yet until it's literally like crossing the t's dotting the i's but it ended up working it's like one of those divine um timing things where you know i hit a lot of like roadblocks and and weird timing things and you realize in the end it was all actually working for me um so i'm really excited and that'll be coming out soon um but i will 
totally give you a private link because I would <gasps> love for you to watch it. <laughs> oh, that would be absolutely awesome. And I've got to say the strikes are over, which is great news. Do you know, I am, I'm, I'm so glad that fi- finally actors, as well as the writers as well, actually, you know, they've gotten a fair deal which rightly so um i think i think ai and everything like that i just think's astonishing if used used right but obviously we don't want actors to be losing losing any money or any sort of property i suppose because uh, some of the horror stories that i've read that the studios want, wanted to do i thought was crazy so it's just fantastic news that everyone's back to working now everyone can start paying bills and everything like that and uh it's just been really good to see everyone get together and actually take a stand. It's been fantastic. Um, I mean, how did you find that time during that that strike period? Because obviously you're you're a mum as well. Um, you know, did you spend that time uh, with the little one and doing uh, writing and 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 thinking about things that you could be doing in the future? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was definitely like extremely scary times. I mean, I think everyone was feeling that, but I was already supposed to be gone and filming my next film in September. And because of the strikes and like the never ending, you know, time of it all is what it at least felt like that my project moved to next year. And so, yeah, it was like, luckily I had the distractions of finishing Desperation Road and then the the release of Desperation Road during all of that. Um, so I had something to, to distract me, but I definitely wrote a couple scripts for myself and, and, and definitely spent a lot of family time. Um, it was, it was very, it was very weird to be home that much time uninterrupted. I was like, Oh, holy tamale. (laughs) Nadine, you're a better person than I. You're a better person than me. If I'd have had that amount of time off work, you'd have, be, you'd have struggled to get me in trousers, in long pants. You know what I mean? I'd have been, I'd have been sat on the settee. I'd have put on fifty pounds eating potato chips. I'd have been, you know, I'd have been drunk four nights out the seven. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just, just really enjoyed the time off. You know, you know, you must have got those nights to yourself, right? Oh my God. I wish, I wish I could say it was like that I got to enjoy some of it too, but I'm kind of one of those like neurotic human beings who like doesn't know what to do with idle time. So, and I'm sober. I'm like eight years sober. I'm like, so that's what I would have loved to spend my time doing instead. Cause I can't do that. I twiddled my thumbs, went absolutely insane and wrote manically wrote numerous scripts to basically be like, (laughs) Oh my God, let me escape reality for a few minutes and uh you know dream up these worlds to feel like i'm actually fucking doing something you know <laughs> which which do you know what if desperation road is anything to go by i'm sure that you spent that time wisely and we've got some fantastic things to to look forward to so if we can talk about the film um if you could tell the audiences a bit about the film and what it's about I mean, for me, what the film is about is a mother struggling to provide for her child and, um, you know, homeless and no place to call home, basically searching for a way to get a roof over their head. And she returns back to Mississippi, where she is originally from, thinking maybe that will bring the answers. And what that actually brings is a whole lot of new trauma (laughs) for Mississippi. And she has a run in with a deputy who is a very 
shitty guy <laughs> and things go Nadine, south I've got, I've got the, I don't I don't want to give away anything in the movie of course but that that first 15 minutes of, of, of that movie we, we were talking about it off air just before you came on and it was harrowing like it was so very well done and it really set the tone of of where Willa Fitzgerald's character was and and you know and the, and and how her life was starting to pan out because of the the um because of the actions that the events that happened prior to the movie and um yeah did did really well there and and i thought <laughs> honestly i i've got to congratulate you there i i genuinely that that you know you could we were talking earlier about you can judge how good a movie is depending on how many times you pick your phone up while you're watching it and i must admit 80 percent of the things you watch on something like netflix i'm it's just idle scrolling especially if it's got like ryan reynolds in it playing a computer character but you know what i mean i i genuinely didn't i i was invested right from right from minute one and and Willa Fitzgerald is is somebody because I'd never seen her before in anything until I watched uh, Reacher, until I saw her in uh, in the Jack Reacher series on Amazon alongside Alan Richardson. Who um, Brian, if we get uh, Alan Richardson on, uh, I'm going to do it shirtless uh, just so we can have a flex <laughs> off at some point, you know. Um, but I was really interested in 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 Willa's career, and I think I thought she was absolutely incredible. She was outstanding. Like, what was she like to work with? I mean. The thing about Willa is I actually wasn't familiar with her work either. She was recommended to me by Cassie and Elways. And I'm kind of like now, like, how are you so silly? Because she's everywhere. What? I mean, literally, she has like five other movies coming out and a television show on Netflix and like all of these things. Um, and so I dove into her work and then Reacher and all of the things. And I, you know, just totally fell for her. And so we had our first meeting and... I mean, she's just the most charming, intelligent human being, and and she just really gets it, and and it means everything to her, and that is something I can really resonate with because, like, my art is everything. I'm obsessive, you know, and so I really respected, you know, us artists like love when we find other artists who are as crazy as us, essentially, and she was just like all in and so committed, and like even down to, you know. She spent every waking moment that she wasn't on set filming with that little girl, with Piper Braun. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I believe, like, that's, again, something I didn't say to do. She did it. She wanted Piper to be comfortable. She wanted their, their chemistry to be natural and real. And I believe that, you know, it's partly to Willa's, you know, work that they had that beautiful relationship on screen. There was never a moment mm -hmm. to me that felt false. And they just had the most incredible chemistry and relationship. And, you know, Willa is just like so committed and such a professional. And, you know, you never know how it's going to go with people and or the process or how how quickly you can earn trust or or things like that. You know, each person's different. And, and I feel incredibly lucky that me and Willa, Willa fell for each other like pretty quickly. <laughs> and then it was just like pure creation and, <coughs> and finding the magic, you know, it was such a beautiful collaboration. I mean, I've got to say, I agree with Dan in the way the first 60 minutes of that movie, um, I had to actually stop watching it for a couple, for a couple of minutes for a, for a breath, because I don't know, ever since I've, I've become a parent, I've got to say hearing a child cry, really gets to my heart it really does so if you're out and about and you hear a kid cry you sort of you're drawn to sort of help them and comfort them 
So the fact that the first 60 minutes, you're on this emotional journey where it's unfortunately uncomfortable to watch at times, but I feel that it may be uncomfortable, but it's important to see because it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. it's one of those things that unfortunately people do go through. And then that, that, that little girl, that talent, she's just a force, that Piper Braun. Yeah. I mean, how did you get that performance out of her? Because the moment, I don't want to ruin it, but there's a moment when she where... she gets back to the motel after yeah, the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, literally, I was nearly in tears. I really wanted to go through mm. the screen. And, and, and I mean, how do you get uh, that sort of performance out of such a young actor? I would love to try and take credit for Piper, but Piper is like a young Dakota Fanning, like in the sense I've never seen someone so intelligent in such a little body. Like, honestly, she's so confident and sassy. And, you know, I, I believe that what I did contribute is making sure that she knew how important she was to me and how important her being comfortable and being supported and all of those things were to me. And so you know, Piper had no problem coming up to me if she had a problem with like her wardrobe or if she had a problem, like, you know, she'd be like, Miss Nadine, I don't like these boots. And I'd be like, uh, can we get wardrobe? I'd be like, she doesn't like the boots, whatever she wants, you know? And like, so she knew, like I had her back and she was like the highlight of my day every day when she'd come running in and the first thing she'd do is hug me. And, you know, so I do believe that it's, those relationships that you form on set and how safe she felt. And like, that was one of the things for me, like even how the AD had the schedule originally, we were shooting something and we were just doing a little taste of it from the outside, but she got completely where she was needed to be for that scene that you're talking about in particular. Mm -hmm. And once I saw her go there, I was like, absolutely not. You need to rearrange everything. We're going inside now and we have to go into that scene. She is there. I will not make her go through this again. Like, get your ass in there. Like, let's go, go, go. And the truth is, is what Piper does is, I mean, I like to start all of my films with a bang. It's like, you know, so when I came into that script, I rewrote and changed to, like, I want you to know exactly the world you're going to live in from the moment the movie starts. And, like, I was a crying fucking mess. Excuse my language, but I was a crying mess as she shot that. And like as a mother and like, so when we called cut, she looked over and saw how bad I was crying and she came and hugged me. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> why are you hugging me again? Like an adult, like she's just an old soul. And, you know, we had so many conversations ahead of time about like what that scene in particular meant. And like, what that feeling would feel like and just talking and asking her questions and she was getting emotion just even talking about it. So it's again, like when you are talking to an empath, it's like sometimes I don't even know if I really had anything to do with it or if she's just like, she's such an incredible little artist. Like I can't wait to see what she continues to do because she's so um, connected is the way I would say it. Like with her emotions, with, people with empathy with everything it's just like you know you meet those people that you're like oh shit you're on another level little girl like when you as you grow like you know and oh. 
She's Do you know what? Incredible. When she's going to be winning those Oscars, uh, they're going to be looking back at her catalogue of films and, and Des- Desperation Road is definitely going to be there. Uh, I read somewhere that you was on a, a quite a tight schedule to film this film. Um, if you could just confirm how many days uh, you actually shot this film over, because if I'm right in what I've read, <coughs> that can't be possible, surely. Um, I had 16 days. So I had, I had three, so two weeks before we went to film, I had already paid out of my own pocket to go to Mississippi and film. Sorry, I have a tickle in my throat and I knew I was about to cough a thousand times. So I was, um, I was already scouted, already locked in for all of our locations in Mississippi. And two weeks before they're like, actually, you're going to Kentucky. And the dates that we wanted to do don't work because Mel has a hard out. so you have three weeks to prep this movie and you have three weeks to shoot it. You have 16 days. And I was told (coughs) of the 16 days as I was on the flight. (coughs) Oh no, live. Carry on. You're okay. You're okay. (laughs) It's all right. Take a minute. Brian's really good at vamping. Tell us a joke, Brian, quick. Tell it. Um, um, I, I don't know any jokes. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? My kids, every single night when I go to bed, when, when, when they go to bed, they'll always say, can, can we have a joke, Daddy? And literally, I've literally got to go on to chat GPT <laughs> and just go, can, can, can you write me 10 jokes for children, please? <laughs> You're all right. The best one, uh, Jimmy Carr's uh, three-word joke, it's something like, venison's deer, isn't it? And you're like, that's a good joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> that, very happy with that one. How are you feeling, Nadine? Are you, are, you, are you getting somewhere? Are you okay? I just unmuted. I'm like, okay. I've contained you, I don't. Now. I don't know if you heard the bullshit we were talking there, but you'd have been very yes, impressed jokes, with our presenting Chad, skills. Chad, Chad, <laughs> I'm like... Well, now I want to hear you perform one of those children jokes, but while no, I have it's, it's... choking and dying. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, but... I, I, I wouldn't make it as, as, as a comedian. I wouldn't. So 16 days. I mean, how much pressure for a producer and director to, to, to have and be prepared enough in time to actually make those 16 days work effectively? Yeah, it was, I mean, again, it comes down to preparation, right? So had I not worked silently for free in the shadows for a year, basically prepping it before you even know it's really a reality, I would have never been able to do what I did in 16 days. Also, on top of that, had I never done a project like Continue where I wore every single hat, I probably would have never been able to do that in 16 days again. So it just comes down to preparation over all things and making pivoting essentially, because I knew that my big vision I had designed for a much longer shoot <laughs> um, was not going to happen in 16 days. And so I had to make some really <clears throat> big choices. Like I said, I only had three weeks to prep, three weeks to shoot. I had one camera at the start of the project. I had two car crashes, a sexual assault, a minor every day, and five storylines that are like (laughs) converging and going all over the place. And so by all accounts, it was an impossible fucking task. Like there's just no way. 
but I did you manage to, to be <laughs> well 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 played did you manage to be there at, at every shot like I know some you know some some directors are there for pickup shots and stuff like that but like you've got some like you say you've got car crashes in there and and big sets and 16 days is no time at all were you, were you kind of like going hey listen guys can you set up the car crash i'll be there after i've filmed this uh this really lovely heart to heart with a father and son like you know what i mean and then you've got to switch gears on the on the on the car journey there things like that did you <laughs> you know did you manage to get to all those scenes i did there there's like two two shots that i wasn't there for <clears throat> because uh, again, it, it came down to timing, but what ended up happening, which again, I hope DGA isn't listening, but I ended up working both units. So I would work oh. my five to five. I know your face right there means you know exactly what I'm about to say. I worked five to five, like let's say we were doing an overnight. And then when the rest of the crew went home and slept and did all of that, I woke up at like eight in the morning the next day and worked with the second unit and then I would work from like let's say it was like 8 a.m until um four and then I had enough time to travel to my 5 p.m call and then work there so I came back like 10 years older in my face <laughs> <laughs> like literally there's just no other I was like I was so exhausted um but you guys you you know it's like our love for film and and my I just knew that if I could make sure that every shot I did get had heart and meaning and was beautiful, it wouldn't matter that I didn't get the five shots of coverage I hoped for if I could make the two matter, if I could make them really mm -hmm. count. And so instead of being really wrapped up in this bigger vision kind of like I had planned, I made my sole focus, the relationships and the performances and keeping things simple and trying to ground the audience essentially like as long as they believed every moment that they were in <clears throat> maybe it won't matter that the car crash is a lot smaller or shorter than i <laughs> or the fucking car chase isn't as like epic as i had hoped but i only had two hours to shoot it so but you know what <laughs> you know these big studios they must be really embarrassed because they spend hundreds of millions of dollars over lengths of months and they don't and they produce, produce crap they produce exactly. crap and, they don't and, you produce know what I mean? a fraction <laughs> of desperation road literally right this is this is what i love about indie movies is that you get a lot more heart you get a lot more soul you can see the you know people have put so much work in, into it which which I, I I wish a lot of these big studios would recognise a bit a bit a bit more, but to do it over sixteen days, I think is just it's crazy. But you did it, and it's an awesome film. But but Nadine, don't go anywhere. We're just going to do a quick sponsors message. Uh, it can give you time to have a, another quick drink. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> in a second. I would say in a second. There we go. Right, Dan. So this is the sponsor's message uh, for the sponsors of the show, which is PropStore.com. So if you um, are looking for a perfect Christmas gift, which is just around the corner, Dan, it's just around, just the, around corner. the corner. Literally, How many weekends think, is it? There's only about I, four weekends I, left. I think, it, I, think, I think it's 42 sleeps till Christmas. 
Mm. The elves are getting ready to sit on those shelves. Uh, I cannot wait. My little actually, girl... you advised our guest last week not to not to indulge in the elf on a shelf. Have you been roped into it again this year? Yes. Well, my girls <laughs> are six, six and ten, so I can't say no uh, because they're daddy's little princesses. But um, let's talk about PropStore.com, the number one place to go for your screen-used props and costumes from your favourite movies and TV shows. They've just done uh, an auction, which was amazing. That C-3PO yeah. head from Anthony Daniels went for $800,000. $800,000, um, which is an incredible price. But we have got a special code which would give you 10% off. What's the code? The... Tell them the code, Brian. Tell them the code. Yeah. What's the code? It'll give you 10% off What's the code? from the buy now section. It's Brian 10. Put in Brian 10, you get 10% off at the buy now section at propstore.com. Give them a visit and get yourself a piece of of movie or TV his history. But let's go back Brighton. to Nadine uh, and talk a bit more about Desperation Road. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for not running off. Um, or or, or you're, you're still there. Yay. Um, but yeah, so so what, what I want to do, um, what did I want to ask next? I've literally, we've been, while we've been talking, we've been talking about obviously Piper and, and, and Willa, but as as the casting goes, as a producer and a director, how hands-on were you on the whole casting of all the characters? Uh, did you have a say in who you wanted? Oh, yes. I'm very... <laughs> I'm very controlling. No, I'm, I, yeah, I'm very yes. opinionated. Like all of us film people are like, I have a certain specific type of actor I'm really drawn to. For me, it's people with extreme vulnerability and this like, <clears throat> it's all in their eyes. It's that mm -hmm. unspoken. Mm -hmm. It's the stories that we're telling that that they're not even they don't even have to put words to you pick it all up and that's what I'm really drawn to as a director and so I'm very specific about who I love and who I want to work with and you know it all started with <clears throat> Garrett Hedlund I had been such a huge fan of his for a very long time Cassian knew that I made it very clear <laughs> what a fan I was and I'd Telling him he stirred things up inside me that I didn't know I had. Did did Garrett? I I was I was very much oh this uh, I'm I'm now in Marlborough country right now. Um, uh, whatever he's selling, I'm gonna buy. Honestly, if he had a pair of saggy ass jeans that made his ass look like a bag of wrenches, I'd have been like, yep, whatever. I'll buy them all. I'll buy everything he's got, just as long as he's got the cowboy boots on. Yes, <laughs> that's my exact feeling. That's basically what I told Cassian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yes. yeah. He, and he was our first person who attached to this film, who really believed in me and in the script and Cassian and Michael Ferris Smith, the writer. And and the rest was kind of history. Next on was Mel, which like, I mean, do I even have to go into it? I'm obsessed. Like he's <laughs> one of the most prolific directors. He has... I don't even know actually how many Oscars he has on his shelf. He's, you know, an incredible actor. <clears throat> and when he was first recommended to me, I was immediately excited because I think of, you know, everyone, like I'm not a huge action person. I love thrill. I love mm -hmm. psychological mm -hmm. thrill. I like, I like the mental aspect of it. But, you know, when I think of Mel, I think of, like, signs. I think of the Patriot. Mm -hmm. I think of so many 
films where he played such an incredibly vulnerable and incredible father. And so as soon mm -hmm. as he was brought into the mix, I was like, fuck yes, look no further. And then he was just such an incredible person to work with. <laughs> I mean, you brought something in different with Mel Gibson. I thought. I thought you mm. you brought something out of him that that absolutely drew me in. I mean, you know, we've we've seen his character recently in the John Wick spinoff, The Continental, where he's this huge mob boss, like he's huge and he's massive, and he's and you're like, wow, is that Mel Gibson? Like, what? I can't believe they've managed to pull that out of him. And then you think of him in uh, Lethal Weapon, where he plays a bit of a clown in 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 that, in that type of role. But to to play the loving father role in such a way that you wrote it i i was actually i was i was like this is this is a good mel gibson performance this this is everything he did every part of this his performance in this movie i thought was incredible and one thing i said to brian just just off camera as well that the way it's written and we'll, we'll get into ryan hurst as well and the way that it's written you kind of flip-flop on how you want the story arc to play out as the viewer you you know with ryan hurst's character you kind of you really understand his pain even though he's essentially the the antagonist of the piece it's somewhat and but you, you kind of get it and with garrett He's got a checkered past, and with with Willa's character is you kind of like, well, you can't do that, but I, I get why you've done it. You know, th there's a genuine change all the way through the movie, and I think it rounded off perfectly towards the end. But with Mel Gibson specifically, I was absolutely suckered in in anything that he was doing in that film, and I want to say kudos to you on that one. Oh, thank you for saying that. And honestly, like. One of the coolest parts about working with collaborators like I got to work with is you have all of these ideas and you, you know, come up with all of this cool shit, but you have no idea what that's going to manifest into. Mm -hmm. What a little whisper in the ear will create and the beauty that unfolded between Garrett and Mel's character and just all of it. But something that Mel brought that I absolutely never intended for the role was like the humor. Like... <laughs> His dad jokes, like, I don't think I realized how much we needed it. You know, like, mm -hmm. when you're on a heavy journey in a film that tackles, you know, a lot of heavy content, you, you need those little breaths of fresh air. And mm -hmm. his, his little jokes, like, I didn't realize how much I loved them until I was sitting in an audience and hearing everyone like gasp and cry and all of the, and then laugh. And like the mm -hmm. laughter ends up being the best part, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, because it's not a movie where you intend for people to laugh necessarily. Like, and in both of my films, they're, they're heavy films, but I always try and, you know, sprinkle in a couple moments to, to make you giggle. And he, that was something that like he really brought out in spades and it just made me, love his character in such like a goofy dad way i don't know how else to say it i loved it <laughs> i mean obviously mel is is quite accomplished in the acting world but also in directing world as well i mean did you get any um i suppose hints and tips i mean how did he influence your your way of working on set because it it's got to be quite daunting, you know, directing such a great director himself and an actor. I mean, did your approach to him differ from, say, your approach to Garrett or, or, or Willa? I'd like to say no, but, but I think it's probably <laughs> a lie because, 
it's scary. Like I'm mm. not going to sit here and pretend I wasn't intimidated. But one of the things that I'll say about Mel in particular is that even like on our first call, you know, when I when he was deciding if he wanted to do the project and he wanted to, you know, talk to me and hear vision and have some answers, questions, some questions answered. And, and then we ended up being on the phone for like two hours. And by the end of it, we're like laughing together. And like, he just has this way of making you feel really comfortable, like, which is insane. Cause he's like a movie star and he's an incredible director, but I, that's probably why he gets such incredible performances. Cause like he was probably doing to me what I try and do to people on set, you know? And so, you know, when we hung up that phone call, he said, my reps would kill me for saying this, but I'll see you in Kentucky, kid. And then, you know, one of the things I said, I was like, okay, I have to, like, when I heard he got to town and he was coming to town, when I was in Kentucky prepping, I was like, I need to go out to dinner with Mel and I need to just have a few moments together before we're on set. Like, mm. this is something I need for myself just to feel comfortable like in my own skin about you know directing someone who I really respect and again it was like a three plus hour dinner with him and his his creative executives whom I love and and by the end of it like you know so people always ask like what did you learn from him and da, 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 da. and I you know I wouldn't say on set like he's very clear to never like this is your set that you demand this set I am here as your actor and like use me and like you know he would gobble things up and and you don't know how each actor is going to work like some might be like nah but he was always game and he was always like in to take my input and whether he he used it or not like you know it just we had a great chemistry and and so it was I I do feel like I took the same approach but I will say like the picking of his brain really happened so much at that dinner. And like, it was like a school for me because I, I, he, I, he doesn't even know this, but I started taking notes about every movie I heard him mention during that dinner and on set to other actors. And like him and Ryan Hurst had worked together on We Were Soldiers or We Are Soldiers. And, mm -hmm. um, and so like I heard that they were talking film. And so I just kept writing it down at all of them because I, I would hear the ones he hated. I would hear the ones he loved and like all of the things. So I wanted to be like, Oh, what do I like or not like of those things? And, you know, so it was just kind of, that's how I approach everything though. Everything to me is school. I will never probably reach a level where I, I don't feel like I still to learn more. Mm. It's just, you know, something that I, there, there will never be a ceiling. I just want to get better and better and better. And, so it's it was amazing the things that I did learn from him, especially while not even realizing I was in class. You know what I mean? Like I was taking in and, and a sponge and, and hearing these things. And like, you know, there comes this time, like I talk about this a lot, but at lunch and and where if you come back to the scene you're shooting after lunch, you're fucked. Like the rest of your schedule and this and that. And so you have like 15 minutes to shoot this scene and finish it, or you're screwing up the whole rest of your schedule, especially on a bonkers shoot like 16 days. Not to mention, we do not have the money for meal penalties or any of those things, you know? And like, it that time every day you feel like you 
unprepared, you know? Like, I just hate that feeling of feeling like you have to rush and this and that. And I'd just, like, look at him and he'd, like, give me a smile and a nod. Like, you know, kind of like a, we all feel this way, kid, you know? And it's just, like, I don't think he even understood, like, what that meant because he could have totally been, and this isn't, like, anyone could have been a jerk and been like, I'm not doing this. And, you mm. know, like, this is whatever. And he was just always so game and so supportive. And so I, I just feel incredibly lucky, you know, that I got to work with him, learn from him, and also like was thrust into a situation like that on my second film. And now working with people I really respect on my third film, I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting better and better on this. And, you know, <sighs> it's, it's good, uncomfortable to have. Do you know what? So jealous. You know, I've loved Mel since Mad Max. You know what I mean? Back where it all started. But I've got to say as well, Garrett, I would say this is his best performance in anything. Mm. I have hands down. This is, I mean, we talk about awards and we talk about the Oscars. You know, could is this film, does this film qualify to potentially get voted for an Oscar? Uh, the actor's performance? How does that work? Because... I'm not being funny, but the performances of this cast are stunning um, on another level. Um, and I would love to see recognition for this film, for these actors, for the work that's being put into it. I mean, can this film technically be qualified for the, Os for the Oscars? How does that work? I think, I think we hit all of the things for qualifying. I'm not sure because our release via like Lionsgate and Grindstone was day and days. I don't know what the exact, um, I don't know. I, I, I think so. Uh, that is what people had said before. Um, but you know, I, I think that was always something important to me because like I've want I've like practiced that speech since I was like a child, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we all as filmmakers want to believe and people kind of look at me like I'm crazy sometimes. And I'm like, listen, like I could have that exact belief or I could believe in something crazy. Like in the next five years, I'll have an Oscar in my hand. And that's what I tell myself every day, you know, and I have post-its on my wall and, you know, it's like, we have to believe. So I would love, I would love that. I don't know if it'll happen on this film, but I, I'm fucking honored that you would even say something like that mm. about these. I, it should do. It should do. But what what I want to know is when you were at home practicing the speech, was it uh, so soap dish? What was it? What what was the uh, what was the prop that you'd use as a kid? Was it a cabbage patch doll? I'd like to thank my mom. Was it? What was it? <laughs> You know, as a kid, it was probably like a shampoo bottle because I did yeah. a lot of my Plastic. playing by myself in like a bathroom <laughs> with like shampoos yeah. rather than like dolls or, or things because I'm a total weirdo. But um, yeah, it was probably shampoo to start. After that, it's like you're wiping down tables, working at a bar till 3 a.m. Like, I want to thank my, <laughs> as you're miserable <laughs> serving tables. Wiping like, away at the, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally one day as I'm holding a salt and pepper shaker, like wiping the table. <laughs> <laughs> right, Nadine, we've got a few more questions before we bid our farewell. Uh, what part of, of, of shooting this glorious movie did you think to yourself, do you know what? I am making magic here. Was there a certain scene, a certain moment that you thought, do you know what? Within these 16 days, this is clicking into bed. Uh, I know, in uh, you know, this is clicking into place and this is wonderful. 
I think for me, so I'm an empath. So anytime I felt really like I, so I cry a lot. <laughs> like I'll be hiding behind my monitors, just like <laughs> crying at what people are are doing in front of my very eyes. And you know, there was obviously Piper's moment in that in that motel room. I felt I knew that it was special. I knew what we were mm -hmm. capturing was really special. And, um, you know, another scene that I really felt that way was when Garrett's on the porch with his ex-girlfriend and they're having that mm -hmm. moment. And mm -hmm. it was such mm -hmm. a beautiful unfolding and so much love, like, tangibly there. And I just... I really connected with it. Also, anything with Larry. I know we haven't really gotten to Ryan, but Ryan's character in that arc is kind of like the thing I'm the most proud of about that film because if you read the book, I mean, if you read the book, the, the script is very different. I changed a lot of things, and I, and I feel like people might have hated that or loved it or whatever, but it just, I wanted to make sure it was the best film it could possibly be. And for me, I think that unlikable characters are really they're a waste. It's a waste mm -hmm. of time. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it means that I didn't do my work to make you identify with that character, that I didn't do my work to make you empathize and understand him on a deeper level. And so I really took Larry very seriously of not just wanting him to be written off because he's our villain. You know, mm -hmm. um, I wanted you to connect with him. I wanted you to see it from his perspective, even if you did maybe not like him, I wanted you to at least understand him, you know, and he was my mental health and, and suicide. I mean, I mean, I felt, character. to be honest, I, I felt sorry for his character. I felt for him because, because he was going through such torture and, and, and when you talk about mental health and, and he's such an awesome actor as well. He's so tall in real life. I've met him and he's enormous, but such a lovely giant. He really, really is. And obviously we all love Sons, Sons of Anarchy and, and um, you know, Denzel Washington's film, uh, Remember the Titans and, and everything like, like, like that. So, but I mean, the character, I mean, Dan, you was men men mentioning the fact that how much you liked, liked his character. Yeah, film. I like the uh, I like the person that he's become, like the the actor and the roles that he gets now. There's there's a genuine disparity from being the chiseled young Hollywood Channing Tatum looking guy from Remember the Titans and the way he's reinvented himself and found himself that I was going to say that niche in the market for that type of person. I think he's the best at it. And in your movie, his his performance. I, I can't. This is going to sound insane, right? But there's a there's a part of it where I I watched certain aspects of it, of his arc, thinking I don't think I'd have done much different to to an extent, obviously without giving too much away. But even meeting Garrett's character outside the prison, I'd, I'd have probably done that because I'd have still been hurting. I'd have, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd 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 have thought, well, I need to do something because it you know it, it depends where you know what your backgrounds are and what you do. But I you the pain of of what Ryan's character goes through is incredible. And like I said, for him to be the antagonist of the piece, I, I, what you said, Nadine, about him being a waste of time in terms of if he was just a big, horrible sod, then, you know, it, it, it's easy. It's easy writing, right? I, I feel like there are points where you feel sorry for the asshole. And I really like that about this, about mm -hmm. this movie. Yay, then I did my job because that's all I wanted you to do is like be able to identify. I mean, 
listen, I probably shouldn't say this like live, but if someone hurt my child and like I had come up with such a big backstory with that, me and Ryan worked on it together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, he had an abusive father and he took all the beatings to protect his brothers. And so his brothers aren't his brothers to him. They're his children. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he has raised them. He has protected them and he has failed because he's Mm -hmm. gone, you know? And so that is what I wanted to come across in everything he did. So if you were to tell me that this happened and maybe I still drank and maybe I was still battling a lot of things and you took my son from me, there's nothing that Ryan's character does that I wouldn't have done probably a thousand times worse. Right. And that's it. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, we're all, and like, that's the thing that interested me about this film and about all of my films is they're all just flawed humans and that's what we Mm -hmm. all are. And Mm -hmm. so by pretending that they're anything else or by not showing the humanity in every character, I think that we're, it's a loss. It's, it's because we can all relate, even if it's not our same, like something we do or something, you know, it's like when you see things from a person's perspective, like outside of your own, you know, you can connect. And that's all I wanted them to do. I wanted them to empathize. That's always my mission is to make the audience see a perspective outside of their own, even if just for a short period of time, you know, and the the line that meant everything to me and that actually made me want to come onto this film is when they said, not everybody has somebody. Cause I can really identify with that, you know? So it's like, if I kept that at the root of it all, like this is a bunch of lonely, flawed, individuals trying to survive you know and i could mm-hmm. i could relate to that <laughs> but you know from start start to finish as i mentioned at the beginning it's a work of art so for anyone out there wanting a career as an actor really needs to watch this movie not as not only as a master uh, you know master class in filmmaking but also in acting as well because these actors literally deliver such a great performance and we even get the uh, you know the tones of of Garrett at the end with the song Desperation Road do you know what i didn't even realize he sang and and this is some something i learned and he's not only dan does he look beautiful uh, but he's also got a beautiful Bro. voice so he's the whole Bro, package if he, down if he was if he was singing about selling crack to kids, I'd have bought it. Do you know what I mean? I'd have been like, yeah. It's, whatever he says, whatever you want, Garrett, that's absolutely fine. I'll, I'll buy all the crack for all the kids. It's fine. <laughs> Dan, you have to watch Country Strong, then. You will love that Oh, movie. I can't. I can't. It stirs things up in me. It stirs things up. In me. I, and like one thing I do when I, uh, I I live on my own in an apartment on the uh, on the seafront in on the south coast, and um, and I kind of walk around having interviews with myself uh, a lot of the time. And uh, I I found myself walking around like the other night trying to do an impression of Garrett from the movie like we're down me, and I, I ended up I ended up sounding like Boomhauer from uh, Family Guy like oh damn thing man but no I need to deeper than that I can't I couldn't do it I couldn't do it and I'm angry about it. To be honest, you do Every- better than me. I would probably end up just sound, sounding Indian or something. I'm rubbish at accents. <laughs> I really am. Do you know? What I mean? But what's really funny to me is that. Almost everyone who's seen the movie at some point comes up to me and tries to imitate. It's like we're tied together by some invisible rope. You know, like we all do it to each other. Like Garrett will be talking to me and then I'll quote him from the movie in his accent. And he's like, that's terrible. I'm like, I know, but I got to try. 
<laughs> Nadine, you've been a great guest. Um, I look forward to see seeing all your future work. I really, really do. Um, so you can pre-order De- uh, Desperation Road right now. Um, you know, on on all platforms here in the UK, uh, which comes out on the twentieth of November. But uh, do not go anywhere. We're going to end the stream and we're going to say goodbye afterwards. But to everyone watching, thank you so much. Don't forget to uh, hit subscribe and we'll see you next week with another amazing guest. Thank you for listening to Be More Super, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by PropStore.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Be More Super and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at Be More Super the Podcast and on Twitter at Be More Super. Keep safe and stay super.